Hey, hotties, and welcome back to another hot, hot episode today with us. We've got the one, the only, you might know her from her podcast. You might know her from her new book, Bet on Black. You might know her from the one season of Roni that they played her for, but we've got the Miss Ebony K. Williams. Hello, lovely, (laughs) or hotties, I guess I should say. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Thank you for, for being here and saying yes. I want to also shout out Mark from the Pink Pop Box. He is the reason all of this happened. I am, I'm that girl that's like, even though we're doing a job and all this, I don't want to ask. Like, I'm like, no, I don't want to bother Ebony. He was like, girl, she <laughs> said she liked the video. Go ask her to be on that podcast. So, Mark, thank you for that kick in the ass. Ebony, how we needed it. No, we definitely needed it. Hot <laughs> Topics is all about getting to know the human behind the Hot Topics. So we like to start off with just a really, really simple question. How are you? I am feeling, thank you for that question. Um, we're actually in the midst, I'm not sure when this will air, but we're on the tail end in May of Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I've covering this a lot on my Grio show with like incredible experts, right? And one of the, the notes I just got was, um, in addition to how are you, how are you feeling, right? So I'll, I'll answer you with how I'm feeling. And today I have to say, I'm feeling pretty damn good. Um, I'm coming off of doing something that I despise, which is working out. Um, so I recently hired a trainer because I just cannot be left to my own devices anymore. Um, I'm not going to, I'll be 40 in September and, you know, shit just ain't getting together the way it used to. That's just, that's the reality. So uh, I hired this incredible trainer uh and shout out to robert brace and, and, and salim over there and so he comes actually to my my condo building i have a gym two floors beneath me and y'all when i tell you even that is a struggle for you for for, for your homegirl but i made it so i had an incredible workout today just had my protein shake the sun is shining it's it's new york city um <laughs> So I'm, I'm feeling very, very good. I'm going to see the Little Mermaid tonight with my yes. sorority sister. We'll be the aunties in the theater, and it's going to be the AKA girls. <laughs> shout, yeah. shout out to the North chapter where my mom is the basilisk. Hello, AKA really? lady. Oh, basilisk. I, I told her I said we have your soror on today. <laughs> I love that. How do you look like that just after a workout? That that my my oh, workouts no. don't end like this. Yeah, <laughs> like... this is the best I had after my workout today. <laughs> That's why I had to push this into an hour. So I, I said, let me shower and, and look decent for these incredible hotties. So no, the glam is on point. You can push back whatever you want. Thank you. <laughs> Giving as always, as always. Well, hotties, we are going to swing into the segment. What's hot. This segment is just designed to talk about the current, current social media topics, the things that helped us get to know the hottie that we have on the show of course you know we got we got to slide into a little bit of the roni we got to go back to where most people first met you that was obviously not your first time but that's the one that rings the loudest your season was infamous it ended without a reunion um when did you find out that that wasn't happening and and how did it how did it make you feel well, I was pissed only because there had been so much back and forth. Like I'm a very much a straight shooter, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a grown girl. I'm a businesswoman. So I understand. Um, I just understand m- more than most, right? So I think if there had been a, a directness, like for whatever the reason, and we know there's a lot of speculation. So 
Let's go with the given reason. For, for, we, we have legitimate scheduling issues that are so unprecedented that we cannot pull this team for a year. Okay. Well, you know, whatever. Pa okay. Let's Fine. run with it. <laughs> Fine. Well, I, I would have taken that and, and and accepted that and life goes on. Right. I think for me, the only reason I was I was annoyed and pissed was because there was so much back and forth. We are having a reunion. We're not having a reunion. So when y'all were seeing that play out in, you know, the the, the uh, post and all of the um, child, awesome. uh, blogs and yeah, and all of that. <laughs> she was like, it was so long ago. Where was they talking about it? Right. <laughs> Fire. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was real in the sense that there was back and forth. You know, we were having it. We weren't having it. We're, we're going to have it in uh, September. No, we're going to have it in October. Actually, we're not going to. So by the time I actually got the call from somebody with authority that said it's final, we are not having it. This was after they had said it's final. We are having it. Here's mm. your wardrobe budget. Here is your color wheel. We were supposed to wear creams and whites and variations of that and even submit which, which shade of whites and creams we were going to wear as to not duplicate. So I had contacted the legend that is Essie in Dallas, Texas, um, mm -hmm. who does so yes. many housewives. Um, mm -hmm, just opened her Madison, uh, 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 what do you call it? Madison Avenue boutique here in New York. This was so pre that. Amazing. So I flew to Dallas with my style team to have Essie make this custom design Roni reunion gown for me. I'm in the gown in Dallas. Oh my God. I call, like, just kidding. Um, so that was kind of, you know, I felt bad for Essie. <laughs> I felt bad for my style team. Like, y'all stop Oh my fucking God. Me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, for whatever real reason, fake reason, you know, that's y'all's call. Just don't play right. with people's time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm, and I know you seem like the same way. I'm somebody who needs closure with things, whether it's different chapters in my life, whether it's relationships. And I feel like reunions really give you ladies the chance to get that closure. So is there anything that you kind of wish that you could have gotten closure on, on or off camera that we didn't get because we didn't get a reunion? Well, I love that framing, Peter. Let me, if I can ask you around, how old are you? Yeah. When it's 29.5 and I say 29.5 <laughs> because I'm 20 I'm 34 but I I say I'm 29 point however plus years oh, so we're gonna so, say, so, okay. so, so we're gonna yeah I'm 33 <laughs> yeah exactly you're Jesus you're L um so I asked I used to be very much that way Peter I used to need mm -hmm. closure I'm, I'm a I'm big Virgo energy I'm big type a queen energy and yeah. then Frankly, therapy and my Hoffman process, which um, I'll, if you guys are familiar with Hoffman, great. If your listeners are, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that in this big thing called life, you rarely are offered or invited to closure. And the best yeah. thing you can do for your own self is create your own closure. So I've gotten really good. And, you know, even with my <laughs> uh, when I called off my engagement, when I left or gotten fired from jobs, you know, and, and I would say this applies for the Roni of it all, right? Like, yeah. no, I did not get that invitation to the sofa. Like every single other housewife who has ever breathed air has gotten. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt a way about it until I didn't. Um, and so luckily for me, blessedly for me, I've been able to create my own closure um, around the Roni of it all, most of which came through <laughs> 
through the writing of my book and the chapter three, which is pretty heavily devoted um, to Real Housewives of New York. Everything from how I was, uh, you know, identified and brought to castings attention to right. you know, feelings going into filming feelings, um, because what a lot of people didn't know at that time, it's in the book. I was up for that vacant seat at the time on the reel of the talk show. Oh, the wow. talk show. Ah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is y'all got to read the book. The book is fucking good. Honestly, oh, I'm, really, I'm, I'm getting the book um, after the, this. Trust my me. husband, <laughs> the producer man has it on Audible. So it's it's in the library. I'm just. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's dope. <laughs> Chapter three is called Disruption. And I go into all these. Uh, what is this? Send a voicemail. I don't know who the hell that is. Um. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I go into all these details. So at the same time that I was being recruited and, and vetted for Roni season 13, I was also going through a casting process potentially to feel um, one of the vacant seats on the reel because this was after Amanda Seals had departed and also mm -hmm. Amira oh, yeah. So they had that vacant seat. Now, what I did not know at the time was that obviously the Garcelle Bouvet was also in that casting yep. process. So when I got the call, Rony was still ongoing. Um, I frankly was very like, no, like, no, my job, my dream job was to be a daytime syndicated talk show host. So right. my excitement and enthusiasm and hopes and prayers were not going to Rony. They were going to the real seat. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, obviously. So when I got the call, like, we love you. You're amazing. But, you know, we, you know, want to go in a different direction. I was really devastated. Um, I can imagine. Right. Yeah, and they hadn't announced who was going to get the role yet. It just wasn't going to be me. So I said, well, <laughs> damn. Uh, you know, and, and to, to the point, Peter, I had to create my closure around that and life has to right. go on. Mm -hmm. So then, here, you know, Roni's still circling the wagon. Fine. I started the process. I'll finish the casting process. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, by this point, Garcelle Bouvet had been announced as the brand new um, co-host on The Real. Mm -hmm. And that, that was kind of like, okay, that's interesting, right? Because at this point, uh, Garcelle had only, she'd done her first season as the first Black housewife to integrate a white cast, mm -hmm. right? Which is so, insane, because they were already, like, I think 13, 13 were, or 12 seasons in at that point. Yeah. Um, and so then I get the call, literally a week later, after Garcelle's announcement on The Real, I get a call from Lisa Shannon at Shed Media saying, we think you'd be a perfect fit. <laughs> that, that aged well. Uh, we think you'd be a perfect fit for, <laughs> for real season 13. And I, you know, of course, with my profession and brand, I talked to, you know, my agents, my this, my that, my mama, that my friends, my sores. What do y'all think about me doing Housewives? The, the, the reviews were pretty overwhelmingly negative. Uh, we think mm. this would fucking kill your career was this general census. Yeah. Of wow. course, right? Yeah. Um, and I was leaning in that direction of no, right? Like I've worked really hard to be credible and savvy and be this like pillar of like black feminine excellence, like girls gone wild with a couple dollars and aging, which is essentially it is in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's a little consistent, right? Right. So anyway, when, by the time Lisa called and I put two and two together with Garcelle's, you know, successful ascension to the real table it was like god was so clear god mm. was like bitch this is not about you being a housewife or mm. being a reality right. star this being is a about recognizing a, a, a amplification of who you are your brand the work you have been doing 
for the yeah, past 10 France. plus years industry and this platform will elevate it to the likes of which you will be in consideration like Garcelle was for the the real or the talk right. or you know foreshadowing the view the I've view i was about view. to say i've been an advocate yeah. for yeah. that y'all for since start jones you know days. Right. <laughs> and you know i had you know circled the wagon and you know i'm 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 a little unlike y'all uh, this this is big black for everything <laughs> so I, I, I had been, you know, very aggressive with trying to get on. And it was always, we think you're great. Not the right time, not the right time, not the right time. Well, lo and behold, you know, after the Roni of it all, when our season was still airing and there was all of this, um, you know, kind of faux controversy around yeah. discussing race. Next thing you know, Ebony K. Williams is a hot topic, literally. Um, right. Thus, really? Like, <laughs> to the view. Uh us what has now become this really productive, fantastic, gratifying relationship with myself in The View and ABC News, where I'm a frequent guest host, and it's been fantastic. So I tweet them on a regular as if I have like casting power, like, um, excuse me, we need Ebony on the panel. Literally. <laughs> your first your first episode, because I'm a View girl, like I've been yeah. watching since the beginning. Um, my work schedule used to, when I was pregnant, used to be set around The View. They'd be like, I'm not coming <laughs> into The View going off and won't. But I was like, no, we need Ebony K. Williams on no. The View. I felt like your perspective is something that what was and is a little bit missing in that time, right? Like, I feel like the view Absolutely. Always, always goes hard on either side. Like, you're either right wing, left wing, and there's, like, no middle ground. And I feel like your experience, yeah. you've kind of walked both, you live both, and you can speak yeah. from both, which we don't get. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> of course, we're going to manifest it. But that's that's one of the things, Ebony, that, and I don't know what your take is on it, but when I kept hearing... Like I've had this conversation with Elle because it's almost like when when Elle and I talk about, you know, um, black rights and gay rights, Elle, what I love with Elle is I go into everything as an ally and I can't fully experience it because I can't just the way she can't because she's not a gay man. You know what I mean? So it's right. like I go wait, into everything like that. Wait, and wait, sorry, wait, Elle's not a gay man? No. no, I know that's breaking news. That's the exclusive. News. This is the this is the soundbite. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a drop. Y'all didn't know that. Yeah, I was saying when we were having the conversation about what really annoyed me with fans when that season aired was, oh, there's too many talks about race and inequality and things like that. And I said, not really, because this is the first time that they've had a black housewife, and and these conversations have never been brought up because. They've been rich white women, old women, like older ladies, like the whole show up until now. So there's 12 seasons worth of conversations that never happened. Things that were said that should not have been said on TV, things that were allowed to be said on TV. So for me, I was like, no, she's doing what she can in one season and enlightening people and shedding light on this thing. And I didn't think there was too much like quote unquote talk about race or about inequality or things like that. And that bothered me like so much when people were saying that, cause I was like, you guys, we haven't had this conversation like once on this show. And that's what I'm like, well, we've been here for 12 years. You're in upper Manhattan and listen, far be it for me to sigh, but I understand how you've created this bubble of comfortability where in certain conversations just don't happen because they don't that's not your life right. like right like the closest thing we got was he was heather with it, the and hey mama and i and i worked exactly. for p diddy like that was the closest Holla. like 
Yeah, and I was like, that is not representation that like, if these fans need to be seeing. So like, what was that for you to hear that people are saying, oh, it's we're talking too much about this or talking too much about that? Well, first off, Peter, I want to just say I appreciate you holding the space. Um, No, it's important. And that's really all I expect anybody in this work to do is hold the space. You don't even have to. You don't even have to amplify it or support it or promote it. It just is extremely valuable when folks can hold the space. Um, And really, and I try to do that as well in communities that I advocate for, but I'm not a member of. So, you know, uh, you know, I am not a queer uh, individual, but my what I know is that my liberation as a Mm -hmm. black woman is tethered to the liberation of the LGBTQ plus community. It's tethered to the liberation of Jewish communities, which is why I spend a lot of time and energy around that work and anti-Semitism work. It's tethered to um, xenophobia. And it's all the same. It's all connected. And when you failed to recognize and acknowledge that interconnectivity, you've actually failed and limited your own humanity. So that's the first You know, so uh, what what people might have perceived, and when I say people, I want to be very clear, it was not just white folks that had discomfort or hostility towards the way I showed up on Roni. There were many people that that were very hostile, very nasty, um, because they too wanted to continue to live in a a fantasy bubble where these issues were not addressed, acknowledged, or talked about. And I'm going to take it a step further, and I'm going to, I'm going to call uh, my fellow black folk that were so nasty around it out and say what they were mad at was not the centering of blackness or race on Roni. What they were really mad about, whether they know it or not or would say it or not, is that I was demonstrating a mirror of what they failed to do in their own lives, in their mm-hmm. own households, on their own jobs, in their own communities. When people say or do things that are inappropriate or wholly um, anti-black, when you, when you choose to eat it and suck it up and take it on the chin, and you see yeah. a black woman making a different choice that says, "Hold the fuck now," what you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you you're confronted with that mirror, that yeah. is where that rage and upsetness came from. So don't be mad at me. I mean, you can be mm-hmm. because I don't give a fuck, but. <laughs> Let me be very clear. You choose to do, sure. Yeah, but, but if that's what you choose to do, live in your choice and stand mm-hmm. on it. But don't right. take out your animosity of your frustration with your own failures to name yeah. and identify and confront these challenges for yourself and your children, might I add to you, um, because you you can't stand in it the way I can stand in it. That's a you thing, not a me thing. Mm. You I better agree. preach. Well, that takes us yeah. into our next segment. It's oh, wait, getting... one more thing, L, because I do want to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, but it's very important that we that I add this to the narrative before we move on. Mm-hmm. People have to also recognize there was a misnomer and a misconception that I was brought onto the show and then produced, like heavily produced in this way that said in this scene, this scene, and this scene, bring up race, anti-Blackness, and racism. That's not the case. I mean, obviously there were some, you know, some pushing towards certain conversations, but essentially people needed to know I am not just a regular Black woman off the street. I'm sitting in front of, I call this the Luann wall. Because this is my wall of most educated. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I no, because I was watching season six of Roni, uh, the reunion, and I don't, Ebony, uh -huh. I don't know if you've seen it, Peter. I know you have, yeah. but they uh -huh. spoke to. Um, it was a, a fan submitted question, and they were saying that um, Luann's French was broken, like she didn't speak fluent French, and she was like, "Oh yeah, but I speak like other languages," and it it took me right back to you all's argument at her house and i was like this is the thing that she was like i was literally last night yelling at the tv <laughs> this is what we also so, many, also so many presumptions right around like oh well yeah. i think educated is around being well traveled well bitch pull out your passport because i'll go stamp for stamp with you <laughs> israel have you been to singapore have you Not been to shit. rwanda have you been to South Africa? Have you been to, let's stop. Let's just, we're gonna stop while we ahead. Anyways, <laughs> um, anyways, I call this the most educated wall. And one of the many degrees on this wall is my bachelor's in black and African diaspora studies from UNC Chapel Hill, which of course y'all saw me talk to uh, Governor DeSantis about on The View. Mm -hmm. um, so this is this is who the you network- You may have heard chose. of him. <laughs> you may, you may have mm. um, this is who the network and the production company chose to break the glass ceiling of whiteness on Roni. You didn't just choose an ordinary mm. black woman. You, cho you chose, with knowledge, a black woman whose life's work, who has academic credentialing in the work of shattering anti-blackness. I mean, I kid you guys not. I know that your, your listeners won't be able to necessarily see what I'm going to show you two, but I want to mm. show you. I love this. This, this. No, I'm, this I'm is, for this. This was the art that was on the back wall during mm. every single one of my Roni interviews when I was mm -hmm. interviewing with casting wow. and all the way up. And what this is, is mm -hmm. um, something I had custom made of the uh, of a replica of the middle passage. And what you see there are thousands and thousands and thousands of African bodies piled on top of one another like sardines, um, where they had to menstruate, give birth, um, feces, all of this stuff as they made their mm. way to a chattel slavery that was more brutal than anything the world had ever seen. So the network knew exactly who I was. They mm. knew the work in which I center my life. And that was a choice. No, that's I real. I when I was younger, um, my god sister and I, we went to elementary school together and it was a primarily white um, elementary school or whatever the case may be. And I got bullied really, really, really bad. And I was talking mm. at my god sister's house and I was talking to my uncle who has since passed away. And he, he said, um, get up. I want to show you something. Like, cause we were just talking about how hard it was, how hard it was. He, he was like, get up. I want to show you something. And he had these, like, I don't know if you remember like the nineties chairs. It was like that one piece of metal that came down the back and did that little S turn or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He turned it to the side in the middle of his kitchen. He turned it to the side and he made me and my God sister get in this chair mm -hmm. on the floor. And he put us in there and he was like, this is what your ancestors because this is hard yeah going there wow. and getting your education and and living up to the things that we have made accessible to you that's easy and it's going to come yes. with challenges you'll face challenges but i want to be very clear about what yes. hard is and what yes. hardship looks like and i was like i was in the second grade so i was like seven or eight at the time and i didn't wow. even like i grasped it but I didn't grasp it the way that I did until yeah. I was older and he he was like let me let me let me show you what hard is <laughs> right it's just perspective and like even like that um going back to the interconnectivity point what I just showed y'all yeah. in that, that um art piece showing what the chattels uh the middle passage looked like for Africans it actually when I have visited Yad Vashem which I've been blessed to do several times 
uh, in Jerusalem, you, you, there's this exhibit where they, they've kind of recreated what those uh, quarters, if we could use that word, were for mm -hmm. the uh, Jews who were being held before they were marched into the gas chambers. And they look just like that. So oh, wow. for those of us of, mm -hmm, so for those of, us of Black descent, we, we're in Yavashim, like having a cellular experience because, you know, this wow. level of humanization, because that's what we're talking about, that right. happens globally to all kinds of different people, um, it shows up in the same way. So that's why it's important to know the history and know the story, because then you could recognize it when it's tried, when, when there are modern attempts to reiterate it. For sure. Absolutely. That's, that's a so, great segue wow. into our next topic. It's getting hot in here. This topic <laughs> is designed for you to take off your clothes. No, <laughs> it's just designed to get to know the human behind the celebrity, right? Like there, there, there are certain ways that you got to put on and things that you got to put to the side when you walk through that work door. And you said on your May 5th episode of Holding Court, we don't know you. And so you've given us a little, a little bit of tidbit, but in a few words, who is Ebony K. Williams? She is really, really curious. She's uncoordinated and accident prone. She, she really enjoys like aesthetics. Aesthetics are very important to me, how things look, how they present. Uh, I am a big fucking nerd, um, as you can see with a small sampling of you know my book collection behind me. Um, I've, and I've always been that way. At my core, I think I'm a nerd. I think I'm intellectually curious. I think I'm an emotionally curious person. I am not afraid of the hard, to reference your grandfather's point, not the hard conversation in my relationships with men, not the hard conversations in my relationships with my friends. Um, I have a girlfriend I'm about to uh, go to, a uh, sorry, sister, I'm about to go to di dinner with and then Little Mermaid. And she doesn't know it, y'all, but... Um, I'm about, we're about to have a conversation about colorism. That's going to be an interesting lunch. Yeah, bitch, go ahead and order your cocktail because it's about to get hot. <laughs> um, um, you know, and, and, and I'm somebody who loves love and I love people and I love finding points of connectivity while also honoring the awesomeness of our distinctions. That's who mm. I am. I love that. And a beauty too. A real gorgeous. Yeah, oh, can we? Yeah, can we throw that in there really quick? Yeah, face guard never declines. When, no. when you said when you said curious, I thought you were gonna say start off with cute, and I was like, you're like I'm curious. I was like, oh, you're not cute. You're a drop dead gorgeous. First of all, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I actually, I actually recognize when people say that I'm cute at this big age. I think that's I take it as shade. Um, bitch, no, I'm not. So stop. <laughs> my aunt says uh, puppies are cute. I'm gorgeous. That's it. I was gonna say my my little sweet baby Carrie James over here cute. Um, older women, you know, and men in their 80s plus are cute. Um, I'm a grown woman. I get these rhinestones. Uh, we have, <laughs> I love that. We have to ask, obviously there was so many conversations that surrounded um, your episode of The Griot with Iyanla Van Zandt. But one thing that we didn't hear anybody ask you though, yeah, you guys may have um, seen that clip. Um, but one thing we didn't really hear anybody ask you was like, are you dating right now? Like, what are you currently really looking for in a partner? Like, and not like a soundbite worthy clip where people yeah. turn it into their own thing. What does Ebony K, well, first of all, I love saying your full name. I'm somebody who loves it. Doesn't it give? It gives, I, I, yeah. I, 
I love to hear it. You guys just say it so beautifully. No, that's I, I love that you are kind of going beyond the soundbite. And and I what I have to say this about the bus driver gate, which is now what it's being you know infamously known as. Right. <laughs> uh, I not for a million years did I think that first of all people would still be talking about it. Like I I, I was uh, on a flight from LA to New York just two days ago. I was doing some work on my upcoming syndicated show, Judge Ebony, which will air this fall. And Dang. the flight attendant, yeah, my flight attendant, shout out to Delta Airlines. I'm obsessed with Delta. Oh, that's something no, else you know about Ebony K. Williams. Obsessed with status and Diamond Medallion and Million Mile Club and 360 for Delta Airlines. <laughs> um, just so like, please. An amazing me- obsession. Like it's, inc- it's very intense. Um, and it, it's competitive with me and my inner circle. Uh, so, oh, and my flight attendant goes, didn't say a word all five hours of the flight. And as I'm, I'm getting my stuff from the cabin and off the plane, he goes, thank you so much for joining us, Miss Williams. And we know no bus drivers. I said, I can't, I can't. Oh my God. I can't. Um, (laughs) but listen, I was seeing, uh, a couple of gentlemen recently, um, and I was getting to know them both. Both, you know, lovely, good-looking, mostly, which I don't really care about. They just happen to be. It was funny because I was telling my girlfriends, like, this is really a departure for me. Um, but anyways, <laughs> just because I'm mostly, um, I'm sapiosexual, so that's something else mm-hmm. to know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my um, attraction is just rooted in the intellect and like the the, the compatibility and the vibes. Anyways, getting to know these two guys, um, one was 45, one was 50, one was Ethiopian, one was Black American from the Maryland area. Um, I'm still getting to know one. The other had to be completely canceled, and he's um, he's now of the block party. That's another story. Um, but I'm getting to know the other one. But but here's the reality. I just shared with him on a date recently because what I, one thing I like about this particular man, which is why he's not at the block party with the other one, is that he is taken the time and done the work to get to know me beyond the media. Beyond mm. what he heard on a Breakfast Club interview or his homeboy sent him from a clip from The View where I talked about my single motherhood journey or what he may see on this, that, or Dr. Umar, like all that bullshit, right? right. So we're at dinner and I shared with him, I said, listen, I'm just going to tell you directly, you know, this, we're a few dates in. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I, I think you are too. I'm about to transfer this embryo come this fall. Um, mm-hmm. And I've talked about it publicly but we are dating and getting to know each other. So you need to hear it directly from me. This is my intention. This is my why. At this point, I'm not going to interrupt that um, for any relationship that may or may not come my way in the interim. I I had thought about that. And this last dum-dum convinced me, no, that's not worth it. I'm going to have my baby. I am. Good for you. Yeah, there's another, there's a story that's probably not worth telling. I've told it on one other podcast where I was on um, one of those, um, Uber share private jets with Bethany Frankel and my ex fiance. And he was much older. He had three kids. He really wasn't interested in more kids, but was kind of playing around, like kind of faking like he was because he likes to date young women, which is super low integrity anyway. Bethany, <laughs> like all in the business. And she was like, listen, I don't really know you talking to me. She said, but have your baby. Have your mm. baby. And if this man or the next man loves you and wants to be with you, so be it. But trust me, especially, you know, she was still in the thick of that 50 year divorce with that fool. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never regret it. You will regret playing these games with these dumbass men. That's exactly what she said to me. And Bethany Frankel was right as rain. 
and I'm having my baby. So that's oh, what I'm doing. Good for you. And I look forward to, you know, God sending me the right man for me at the right time. And I am not rushing that because I do not want the wrong man. I am. Oh. I, was, I was married at 27 and divorced by 28. I know what it is to kind of get into something for the way it looks or the way it sounds or the social status of, you know, this huge demonization that I've been on the back end of around single womanhood status. I will not be shamed for being single. I will not mm. be shamed for being almost mm -hmm. full. I will not be shamed for being rich and beautiful. So y'all can keep it pushing. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that's your, I think that would be like my Tinder bio. I will no, not yeah, be shamed definitely. for being rich and beautiful. Swipe no, left yeah, if you I, have a problem. If, if I was Swipe ever left. on another season of, of the show we won't name, that would be my new tagline. <laughs> no, it that. should. Like, I work that into the brand. I don't know where it goes, but work that in. Um, <laughs> what are some red flags that you have, like, after men otherwise meet the criteria? Once they look good on paper or whatever, like, what are some other things that you yeah, do? Yeah, that's what we got like, so many fan questions asking. Shot, yeah, I was about to say shout out to the hotties oh, that came from them. I was going to all the credit, L child, because I was like, that's a that's a good ass meaty substantive question. I, when I read it, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So one big red flag for me are men that have mother wounds. Now, let mm. me go into that a little bit. Um, so these are men that I find are very attracted to me, actually, because they are men that for whatever reason, historically, with their mothers, um, they have resentment and complication around a relationship with a woman who at one time held so much power and control over them. And mm. these particular men with mother wounds um, never felt to this day, have never felt truly approved of by their mothers, unconditionally loved by their mothers. Um, and there's a little bit of them that, whether they even know it or not, y'all kind of hates women. Like they, they love women, but they, mm -hmm. there's, there's a, you know what I mean, Elle? I see you, you know, You want this. it today. We about to get the collection plate past it. <laughs> right. and, and I, and I do want to add to my riches. So go ahead, feel free to, to add to that. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, these mother wound guys are very drawn to me. And I was just unpacking this with my therapist. And, and we know the reason why, right? Because I'm a woman of very clear and strong boundary. I have extremely high personal worth and I'm, and I'm, I'm aware of it. So if you can get me to approve of you, to affirm you, to pick you, that is a really nice substitution mm -hmm. of the approval approval that you failed to get from the woman that probably gave birth to you or otherwise mothered you. But then this is where it gets really dicey. These mother wound gentlemen pursue women like myself because women that are like too, I don't want to say easy, right? But, but, but that are too like, oh, I just kind of show up and like, like most people. No, they like right. these that are very particular, very picky. And when they can get that check mark, of approval, love, and commitment from women like my from from women like me. Now they have changed the power dynamic mm -hmm. that has wounded them, and now mm -hmm. their joy and goal is to reject me and women like me to get their power back. We joke, so we have my best friend Jamie and I have this joke of this. 
it's always like the the guys that they're hitting on you and then the minute you're not into it they're like oh you're not we, we joke and we're like oh keep it moving sweetheart you you're not even that way. cute anyways <laughs> yes and it's literally that exact thing it's like what changed all of a sudden like you were clearly attracted to this person yes. but now that yeah. you were rejected they're beneath you and they're not mm-hmm. they're not good looking and they're not worth your time like but they were until they rejected you Exactly. And those mother wound guys, um, mm-hmm. they're going to keep sit- until they do their work. And that's always an option. I just want to put that out as a PSA oh, yeah. to all of us who among us doesn't have childhood trauma of some sort. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm the first one to put my hand up. There's therapy. There's Hoffman Institute. There's, you know, whatever you need to help remedy some of these points of um, trauma. But when you yeah. refuse to do your work, there's a saying I learned from Hoffman, where you go, there you are. So you can leave mm. this relationship and you could go on to the next one, but you'll still be there. Yeah. Your wound will still be there. This cycle of, like you just talked about, Peter, not wanting who wants you, but always only wanting and chasing and putting energy into someone that repeatedly rejects you. That mm-hmm. cycle will persist because you right. have not done your work. And it's wow. also okay in the dating space to say, I'm not ready to do the work. Like I just find in my friends, I've been married for a gajillion years now, but but I find in my friend's space who are dating that they're like, somebody will say, oh, like I want this, whatever the case may be. And then you get there and that's not what they wanted. Like you said, they want to just cross off that check mark. It's okay to say like, this is where I am. This is what I've got. And then let the person that you're talking to make that decision of saying, I want to be engaged in that. I don't want to be engaged in that. Like, but whatever your truth is, speak it. Don't surprise people with it. It doesn't have to be marriage. Everything doesn't have to be some super serious, long-time committed relationship. We can just enjoy, we can just have fun. My only thing is at my point in life, my age in life, yes, I am looking to develop legacy and family. Mm-hmm. And I'm only interested now there's after baby comes, there's a few different ways this can look. Auntie can be out in the streets. We can do this, <laughs> that, you know, but like in turn, now my stakes will be higher though. Right. So now if you're going to be up in my face in a way that says you really want to be a part of what I am building with my child and my community, that's now yeah. where you're going to be held to a different level of scrutiny. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's so that's powerful. Hot. I didn't know y'all were doing <laughs> the podcast. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Literally like this is like you are, I have to say, Ebony, you really are somebody who like, there's people that you like kind of listen to them when they're talking, but you're somebody who like, I really listen when they talk listen. because, oh, because even though some people can say, oh, she's like too forward about this. She's too judgmental about this. Like you're really not. You're just, there's passion behind it and there is experience behind it. And those are the the women that like my mom and my grandma were very much like that, like old school Greek mentality. Like they've been through shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, those are the, these people aren't, aren't like shoving things down your throat. Like you're giving words of wisdom of things that you've lived through and you've experienced to better other people's experience. They don't have to go through the same thing. And that's one of the things that I enjoy, like listening to you. I am so glad that's how it's landing for you, Peter, because that is God knows my intention. This is not around judgment. Who the fuck can I judge? I'm just a mere mortal, please. This is around what I can speak. And by the way, I've Mm -hmm. got a lot to learn, right? So I'm never coming 
of like finite knowledge. Um, that would be a tragedy if at 39, I knew everything today that I'm going to know. Hell no. Of course. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I've seen. This is what I've learned. Again, I've, I've spent a lot of money. <laughs> it's the same reason that I launched Holy Court, right? Like, I still owe Sally Mae on this law school debt, right? So I've already invested a hundred some thousand dollars into my legal education. So you don't have to. So you could just literally. watch a Holding Court. Literally. Literally. Everyone said you can listen to Holding Court and be an armchair lawyer. So, um, I love that. With, you know, this emotional race, you know, relationship stuff, race stuff, I have invested in the work. And mm, my, absolutely. I feel like my moral obligation, quite frankly, and this is where my spirituality comes in, is God has put me out here. The reason I think I was born was to help people not tell them what to do or tell them who to be with or tell them how to feel about other people of different identities, but to invite the curiosity. Just exactly. be curious. Mm. And if, if that is is the the most I ever do, I will die. This is very like, you know, on the heels of Tina Turner just passing. You know, Tina was just very like, I'm not afraid of death. When, when my work on this earth is done, it will be time for me to go home. And that's how I feel, y'all. When, when, when God that. takes me, when I put my note into the Western Wall every time I go to Jerusalem, it's to say, God, I want to leave this earth with not a drop of knowledge, love, or talent left. I want mm. to leave it wow. all on the field. I want to leave it all on the field. I love that. That's real. My first bio on my first website, which was the truth, but I told God that I was willing to be a vessel. Now, mm -hmm. words have power and I didn't realize <laughs> exactly right. what I was signing up for when I made that commitment. <laughs> yeah. But it's the idea of sometimes you have to be open enough to be used. And yeah. in that using, you're not always going to touch a hundred thousand people. Sometimes yeah. the most high needs you to be open enough to get to that one person. And then all of the rewards, all of the things that you're manifesting right. are on the other side because the creator knows that you can now be trusted in your yeah. words and in your actions because you allowed yourself to be a vessel. So I, that resonates. Wow. I love to be a vessel. And the other part of being a vessel, which I talk about in the book as well, in the spirit of like Dr. King and other people who have done this, done this work um, at the expense of their fucking lives. So again, yeah. if the work world that happens to me is some shitty YouTube blogger videos and <laughs> shit in the daily mail and yeah. Honey, I got off easy. Let's be very clear. I know people think sure. in this modern context that that's like the devastation of life is to have like yeah. a bad New York Post piece or like, oh no, look what page six said. I don't give a fuck, you know, because these people die to do this work. So I can that's take absolutely. perspective. You know what I mean? That's that's the important perspective. Dr. King said, if you haven't found something in this world, whether it's gay mm -hmm. rights, queer rights, animal rights, and the environment, uh, women's reproductive rights, pick one, you know, taxes. I don't give a fuck what it is, right? You haven't found something that you are willing to die for. Mm -hmm. You're not even fit to live. That's yeah. what Dr. King says. And so for those of us that really sit with that literal interpretation, that's my threshold. So I'm willing to die for this. So if I got fired from Roni, that, that's lightweight. That's That's lightweight. If I got a, a base of folks that still, you know, going to go to sleep every night, grinding their teeth, mad as fuck, because I ruined Roni for that. I don't give a fuck. 
about That's that. candy. Candy Burris. I'm embedded in your motherfucking, motherfucking brain. brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like y'all are still talking about a show that went off air almost three years ago. Like that's wild to me. <laughs> it's true though, but that but that's that speaks it's to your impact. impact. I was just that's about to say yeah. how powerful you are. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for this season 14, Roni. I really am because to me, those women, whether or not they know it or acknowledge me, I don't care. Um, they are a part of my legacy. They are. I they said, are yeah, I I actually I was a guest on um, NBC Boston two weeks ago, and they asked me about Roni. And the first thing I said, well, the first thing, the two things that I said was one, I'm glad that they finally have a like a real diverse group diverse. of women. And two, I'm still mad that Bravo Ellick still makes fun of me for this. I will not let it go. I still think you that you and Leah or you and Tinsley, you and somebody should have okay. been the bridge. I was just the day I die that you especially <laughs> and at least Leah or Tinsley who were like, who were added on later should have been part of the bridge to bridge the old and bring it into the new and make it something great. And that's one thing I will yeah. like never let go. And I bring it up every time every I'm time. asked about that. I love I'm the idea of the bridge. You y'all know for me, I I don't know Leah McSweeney personally, and she might be a great person in real life. She was not a fan favorite of mine as a housewife. So when he's like, she should come back, I'm like, but why? Well, I meant it. Well, 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 right, but I meant it in the in the sake of <laughs> she was yeah conceptual way to say like some of these. Right. More recent additions to original yes. Roni, who yeah. represent modern Manhattan, which I would agree with that part, mm -hmm. and only mm -hmm. that part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then we do serve as this kind of anchor of familiarity mm -hmm. to the Roni viewers, where however you felt about us, because you know I have haters, Leah has haters. I, I don't know if anybody hates Tinsley, because what could you hate? But yeah. um, <laughs> you know, because she's just so sweet, right? But anyway, yeah. and then you. you, you and I actually think we would start to probably fade into the background yep. as the new addition of Roni takes center stage. I think that would have been a really smart production play. They went in a different direction. I'm totally okay with it. Because again, I am not somebody who's so self-centered to think that progress and, and, and elevation has to center or even include me. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I think there's some that are really pissed. Like, eh, I don't give a fuck. Because guess what? I can't... <laughs> I love the way she said, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You know what it is? It's from um, Friday. I think it's a reference from the movie Friday. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, um, it is. Um, yeah, it's Chris Tucker's character. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> when you leave, I'll, I'll be talking again. <laughs> that's what I say. That's it. If you leave, I'll be talking no, again. Anytime oh. anybody brings up Brody, that's the first thing Elle says. Oh my God, here goes Peter in his tangent. I'm like, I will that's say this till, till it's not even a thing anymore. I will say that yeah. until I die. That's what they should have No, thought. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still excited to see these new women. And um, one of them has been like super, you know, friendly and, and engaging in my DMs. I'll re reserve identifying her until the other ladies have an opportunity to engage. But um, even if they don't, right, like even if they never say, you know, cat, dog, thanks, Ebony, for ba basically taking out, uh, clearing the space, making mm -hmm. the, right? Because mm -hmm. that is indeed what I did. Whether you hated it or you loved it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The way I showed up on season 13 created the space to, it was, I, I talked to, um, I think Evan from page six about this before you can build or flip a house or even. Oh, I love him. Good friend of yeah. mine. I love him. Yes. Uh, you know what you have to do first? You have to, you have to have demo day. There mm -hmm. has to be a demolition. There's got to be a taking down of the old structure and the, and the destruction of the old guard.
And I am somebody yeah. who was to your grandfather's point of vessel or your, your point L of vessel. I was that vessel willingly to, to do the dirty work <laughs> of making the space for this new era of diverse black, Latina, Afro-Latina, biracial, multiracial, white, Jewish, America, New York City. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And God and God bless them. You know, like move on. Like, you know, Rony, y'all got y'all's girls trip. Y'all got a little chick coming. Relax. Yes. <laughs> Pipe down. <laughs> you know, go on, go on, pay your Thanks. bills, pay your taxes, and keep it moving. What you still mad about? <laughs> no, please pay your taxes. <laughs> This has definitely been the hottest episode so far. So as we segue into the that's hot segment, you guys, we, you know, this is a segment where we take the time to really dig into the brands and the businesses that you have worked on and paved the way um, of. And obviously you are an author. You have your amazing memoir out, which I'm so excited to read, by the way. Um, what three books would you recommend and you can include yours because obviously it's important. Um, what three books would you recommend to someone who is looking to start their entrepreneurial journey? Ooh, great question. Yes. My book, Bet on Black, The Good News About Being Black in America Today would be a great one. Specifically, chapter, I think it's five or six. It's called Leverage. And the whole chapter is about how I take the position um, that ownership, literal ownership, entrepreneurship, excuse me, is the best and most effective pathway for black liberation. So, because this is a book about blackness, but you can copy and paste that to any particular group who um, feels marginalized, right? So right. the best thing, you know, for, for all of the, you know, criticisms of capitalism, which are, are legitimate and ripe and, but, but as long as America is still a capitalistic society, which, I su suspect it will remain. <laughs> there's got to be some, <laughs> there's got to be some conscious participation on your part as an individual in this broader system of your own best interest. Um, and I submit that, you know, and that's that going back to the bus driver of it all. That's the part that everybody <laughs> missed. like this was never about a good person who wakes up in the morning and drives a bus. God bless all of those people. Mm -hmm. My mother did that. It's about recognizing that what my mother did that until she was in a position to do something that gave her more autonomy, more mm -hmm. economic power and more uh, stronger positioning, really, um, right. to go into the work that she wanted to do, raising me and, uh, and affording her own, like literally and figuratively, right, affording her own liberation. So that's why I am a little bit obsessed, actually, Peter. With um, <laughs> owning your own business, owning your own brand, and owning your own content, right? So as content creators, yeah. what's really important, and I talk about this in detail in that chapter in uh, Bet on Black, when I left iHeart and went to Warner Music Group, which is where my podcast is now distributed, but even with my Black Effect iHeart deal, which was my original deal for uh, Holding Court, mm -hmm. Owning my masters, or at least a large percentage of my masters, owning my intellectual property, owning, um, owning the things that can help me be free. Let's just say it plain. Was yeah, it yeah, was yeah. The, mm -hmm. it was imperative. And even while everybody's talking about bus driver gate and all that, guess who went straight to the who called my lawyer? Boop, 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 a black woman. Boop, 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 boop. Used to be a <laughs> boop, 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 boop. hey attorney Shay Lawson. Let's go ahead and file that trademark application to own um, 
if he owns the bus. I own mm. that. Bitch, I, see, so when, pe- when I, I say that. people don't know me, this is what I'm talking about. They really don't understand the way my mind even works and the bigness, the enormity of how I see opportunity and more importantly, y'all, how I invite other people to participate in the opportunity. Because, well, what am I going to do with that? Because uh, even Shay was like, bitch, what are you going to do with what that? What are you going to do with it? Right. Whatever you want. Um, hey, that part. Peter, because I'm a grown-ass black woman, so it's whatever I want. I like that, Peter. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but also, yeah, merch, whatever. But really, it's going to be an incubator program mm. for anybody, but especially black and brown people that want a one, two, three guide of entrepreneurship. Because I can't take the position of, well, if he owns the bus, if I'm not willing to do the work to create to the bus owners. That, right. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. Like Janet so Jackson said, black, we go we deep and we don't more. get no sleep. Period. That's it. Come on. <laughs> go deep. I'm a, oh, that's another thing y'all need to know about me. I am absolutely <laughs> unapologetically obsessed with this particular Jackson. Oh, the legend. Yeah. The legend. Listen. Legendary. This is welcome, welcome to where the magic. Out. Four albums. Slash, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay for now. Um, but really, all the Jacksons. I live for mm-hmm. the Jacksons. We uh, we do too. Ebony. Okay, so yeah. So my book. I would also say for business. Um, uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf. Uh, for, I think that uh, was so good. I don't even know if you need two more books. I was like, that's what I was. Like. <laughs> okay, just just everything you need to know. You can get in bed on black. There you go. <laughs> got that when when people talk about your rony season right we said this the loudest part is always like oh all the race conversation ruined the season x y and z me i am a second generation say his name kid Um, my grandfather was shot and killed in 1972 by a police Mm -hmm. officer um, with his hands up in the air so for me having you on television continually amplifying this man's name was big for me yeah. because there's as we know there are so many people who don't get the coverage don't have their name said yes. for the acknowledgement of the injustices or the men or the human beings that are stripped from families in that moment um when all of this news broke did you go into this saying i've got to amplify his name or was it just the i'm there like this is my charge as a black woman it wasn't even that I didn't even need to be that coached up around it, L, because again, like I was already doing this work. Again, I think people really would be best served to understand the uniqueness of how I go about daily life when it comes to blackness and race and, mm-hmm. and social constructs. Um, because what you just described would make sense if I were, I would say a little bit more ordinary um, of a, of an, a black woman. <laughs> Where, um, you know, where where it's like, OK, I have to have like focus around this or intention or I need to, and I need to go into uh, this show or this opportunity and make sure I do this, that or the third. Girl, it wasn't even no thought. Like when so when you see me, like think about let's go back to the very first time a Roni viewer even saw me on the screen in that capacity. It was episode one, season 13, Central Park, meeting up with Leah McSweeney in the park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My hand in my closet, y'all, my hand just went to my Central Park Fives, you know, exonerated five sweatshirt. That wasn't like a, I know I need to go get the blackest outfit I can find. That's just 
because that's what I do anyway. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if I were going to do community service in the park and clean up the park, I'm likely going to put those five uh, black and brown brothers on my on my chest. Um, and I had the good fortune of interviewing um, Dr. Um, Salim, who's currently running for New York City Council. Um, and I told him that, that about the Roni anecdote. Um, and I said, and it's so crazy because when I did that, I wasn't thinking, let me amplify you for political advancement or that people need to know your name because they need to vote for you. It was just an unconscious honoring, like you just said, L, of the grave injustice that took place here during our lifetimes. So this mm -hmm, ain't slavery. Mm -hmm. This right, is right, like right. five minutes ago to the point where you all are still out and about and leading in New York. And I'm not about to sit up here and kiki with Leah or no white person. Like it's just all motherfucking good without acknowledging <laughs> the full scope of what this park and, and, and its history and its evolution means. Yeah. And I'm not alone in that. So y'all want to be mad at Ebony? That's fine. Be mad at Ebony. Just know she don't give a fuck. But also be <laughs> mad, but also be but, mad at New York City, who just this year has renamed one of the entrances to Central Park. Mm -hmm. The gate, yeah. I think it's called the Gateway to the Exonerated Five or something. So just, mm -hmm. just keep it consistent. And I'll say this final thought to all of the people that are so like still upset and you know, um, grinding their teeth at night around, you know, how I root Roni around race talk. Just know. Wearing just know down the enamel, baby. Girl, yeah, wear it down. I want them to go ahead and get some veneers on them motherfuckers now, though. Um, <laughs> because that's 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 a good use of that energy. Anyway, just mm -hmm. know that had your favorites, had my castmates brought anything that was entertaining, that was compelling, that was new or different, Production would have had another option. Production, right. like they, 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 they have to cut around what that they're part. given, right? Mm -hmm. So, like again, let's zoom out from the race part and just just talk about the business of television production. I'm pretty sure that if they had had more options, if there were other conversations, events, storylines, uh, parts of these women's lives that they were willing to be honest and open about that they could have captured to create at exactly. least additional content, there would have been a broader, and many people say that because no one's mad at Garcelle for bringing up, you know, uh, injustices around her blackness and her son's blackness on Beverly Hills. And they, right. they don't need to be. But the reason right. they're not Garcelle is because her challenges around blackness and her advocacy for blackness is, um, is, is peppered in to a broader story. Right. Right. And it also so, seemed to be more received by the majority well, of the cast. Girl. I wouldn't go there, L, but we knew that. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> Garcelle and I were totally different cast with two, to with two totally different types of women. So that mm -hmm. part. But but also just the in the when I watch an episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, which I, I I do from time to time, I see okay, like Erica Jane said, "Shut the fuck up to your fourteen-year-old black son." Not okay. That's called out. That's addressed at reunion. Bada bing, bada boom. But it's also within one episode where there's also this going on with old girl and her taxes. This going right. on with old girl about to go to jail. This mm -hmm. going on. Well, hmm. nobody else brought anything. <laughs> nobody <laughs> else was even willing to talk about. You're the only one. You're the only one that showed up with something to the potluck. I, I came to the potluck like here. Like, Y'all about roast beef. What? What? We ain't got no sides. <laughs> we ain't got no, no bread. Y'all didn't even bring no wine. Karen, so y'all ain't even got no napkins. <laughs> y'all ain't got no napkins, no cuttery. 
So now we're going to have 18 episodes of roast beef. And that's what happened. That's exactly That's what hilarious. Yeah. And also, also, obviously, I, I did talk about other things, as I told uh, Ryan, what's his face from um, um, the, the writer? Um, um, what's he write for? The Not the New Yorker? Uh, um, shit. Ryan, <laughs> we can't remember where you were, but we love you. Vulture. Writes for Vulture. He writes for Vulture. Right, right. You know, it's like, oh, I, I happened to have found my father on season 13. Like, literally, hired an investigator, found this fan's identity for the first time in 38 years at that time. You did the uh, work. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, like, come on. I, I, I carried that show on my back. So whether you liked it or you uh -huh. didn't like it, I gave it. And that's why I still have a good relationship with Andy Cohen. Because right. they could not have asked more of me. I gave y'all personal life. I talked about my ex. I uh, brought y'all into the home. I talked about my bad credit that I rehabilitated as, as a part of my uh, e economic rehabilitation and liberation. Like, I gave y'all everything. I brought my friends on board. You know, y'all <laughs> met Natalie. Who be I I'm but one person. I cannot what more do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. I can't. That's too funny. And we're not going to really hold did. you all day. We are going to round this out with a lovely game of plead the fifth. Now, plead the fifth light, though, because we don't want to get sued by Bravo. So it's plead the fifth light. It, plead. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's plead the fifth with LaCroix. We, um, we also want to stay in Andy's good graces. So it's plead the fifth light. Yes. You <laughs> only get to plead the fifth once, though. Okay. Oh, she can have maybe we'll give her two so it's a different game oh, oh. you're like no, no we no copyright infringement yeah no <laughs> well my goal and, for this andy is we love you it at all but let's see if we can let's see how far we go first one we'll start off light why did you stop practicing law these are also oh. fan submitted so shout out to the hotties yeah shout out to the hotties i stopped practicing law because my ability to impact nationally and globally was limited, right? So things that I really care about and, and am obsessed with amplifying mm -hmm. justice, freedoms, um, things within the law that are kind of nuanced and you kind of have to, know, if you know, you know, like defer prosecution, like understanding the opportunities to change venue, understanding, you know, on um, the importance of which judge is trying your case? The difference is between, do you know that you, most people don't know you have a right to say, fuck that jury. Uh, let me just take my case straight to the judge. Those are things that people don't know unless they know. You don't have to get on the witness stand um, in your own defense. You can sit there and say nothing except for the prosecution didn't reach their burden, your honor. We asked for uh, a, a case dismissed or not guilty verdict, right? So I have this pretty, you know, exceptional knowledge of the law and I, I i was trying to be humble but like why right no so I'm, no need this, right i have this this really exceptional knowledge and command of the law that even my legal peers acknowledge and respect so i could continue to practice but that limits my impact one case at a time which right. is very important but it's just limited or i could go beyond the courtroom go into what i've chosen which is national and international mass media Radio, podcasting, digital, linear television, cable television, bada bing, bada boom. And now I'm impacting millions. I'm worldwide. I love that. Worldwide. <laughs> the next one is, did you feel like Bravo took your complaint against you know who, seriously? <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth on that. <laughs> I don't blame you. I didn't want to 
ever plead the fifth, but I'm going to plead the fifth on that. Okay, we'll we'll give you that one. one. I would. Would too. you do <laughs> an iteration of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip? Absolutely. I've actually got two great concepts. Um, one I've talked about, which is, you know, our kind of um, one hit wonders, which Claudia Jordan and I have had a lot of really good conversation around how fun that could be. Oh, um, Shamari. We got to get Shamari on Shamari. there. Shamari. Claudia. Um, I think there, Peggy from Orange County, I think would be fun. Uh, I could have seen more of, I think it was Jacqueline from Beverly Hills, the Miss uh, Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Carlton. The witch, or the one no, that we was at Wiccan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's fun. And the other iteration is actually being um, pitched and considered. So I'll keep that quiet. Ooh. And it's not mine. But that's that's I'm, I don't own that other format. But you know, anyway. So mm, quiet as well. Stay tuned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was there anything that you didn't get a chance to ask Dr. Ayama? No, because when you watch the full like twenty minute conversation um it was great now the one thing i wish dr ayanla would have answered she never answered my actual question that led to bus driver gate mm -hmm. i would ask dr ayanla that i don't disagree that i and many black women and, and this is also mm -hmm. showing up in white communities but the grio is about blackness but but I, I talked to my white girlfriends and they're starting to say the same thing that basically we are showing up in what are traditionally masculine postures we yes. are head of household we are earning more. Um, we are showing up as providers and protectors in our day-to-day -day life. We are. As a, and Ayala called it, we are men in skirts. That's what she said on The Breakfast Club, which led to the invitation to my show. Because I wanted, mm -hmm. I was intrigued. I wasn't like upset. I'm like, hmm. No, yeah, maybe. let's dig deeper. <laughs> interesting. Maybe, maybe there's something there. And my question was, if that, let's go with that premise that modern women, black women here are doing this. We're show, we're being too masculine in our energy. But many of us would say that we're doing this not out of desire, but out of necessity. Necessity. Absolutely. And that if we're afraid, Ayanla, Auntie Ayanla, that if we don't provide and make the bag and pay the bills and get the equity and buy the properties and also protect us and our little ones, if we don't do that, that we will be without protection and we will be without resources. So what would you have us do in that scenario? And then that woman said, would you date a bus driver? So, <laughs> so that's how yeah. we got there. Yeah. I can't. I, mean, I, I kid you not. That wasn't even hyperbole. If you go back to that is exactly how that's exactly how it happened. It was because just like when it popped up. So on would my, you date like, a bus driver? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, what? Like, wait, what? Like, where did this come from? And she was like, let me ask you this. When it popped up on my social media and it was like, would you date a bus driver? And it started being a thing. I was like, there, we have to be missing something here, right? Because like, I did, I personally, whatever, y'all people like what you like, date who you want to date. I didn't understand the uproar. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'm missing something, right? And then I was like, yeah, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, did right. you feel... Afterwards, looking back, when you shut your laptop and you were done recording, did you feel like that question was a little bit of a setup? No. Um, and for full context, just because you 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 framed it that way, L. Actually, we recorded in a studio, so I have a whole team. Like this is not, you know, your well, my big podcast. You know? My my bad sis. <laughs> not, no, 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 no. You're talking about a Yamla, right? So that was yeah, yeah. That was, 
podcast, and, and also even that we record in the studio. Um, and I just only say that to say because I we've all recorded virtually during the pandemic. But there there was a team that went into that entire interview segment with Ayanla. Um, and we actually made our whole show that episode around me and Ayanla in conversation, which is a typical for us. Um, so there was an executive. So no, no when, when the when the camera went down. Nobody thought too much about it. It was just great, great conversation. I think we were all really pleased with it. My social media team rightfully identified the most kind of sensational soundbite because let's be honest, the griot is not the breakfast club. The griot is not Real Housewives. The griot is a six-month-year-old cable channel owned by Byron Allen that he Mm -hmm. just bought and we're trying to build out. So Mm -hmm. yes, we are looking to get eyeballs to the channel because in addition to relationships we talk about um mental health lgbtq suicide mm-hmm. um uh you know m- black maternal mortality we, we 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 run the gamut on all things um relevant to black culture so we want those eyeballs what we don't want are people to just be obsessed with the bus driver of it all and then tune right. out from everything else that we do at the griot Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, So make sure you guys watch The Griot. You can catch Holding Court. You can get Bed on Black. Ebony is at Ebony K. Williams on Instagram and social media. So you can find out all of her things there. Ebony, thank you. Thank you, Elle. Thank you, Peter. This was just so lovely um, and the perfect way to go into my holiday weekend. Um, This was so fun. Yes, baby. Come on. We got company. (laughs) Yay! Oh my God, a nugget! Oh, oh my goodness! Yo, nugget! Hi! Oh, she's so beautiful. This is Hi, our nugget. first uh, hot, hot puppy, hot animal. Yeah, literally. We haven't had you an know. animal guest appearance yet. <laughs> so delicious. Oh, she's so cute. What's her name? Her name is Carrie James. Mm-hmm. Hi, Carrie James. Oh, what a nugget! Don't we like not for nothing kind of look alike? Like look. I was like, gonna say the hair is giving like from both of giving, you. The you fed her long <laughs> enough. <laughs> you know the old people say you feed them long enough they start to look like you. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, Ebony. This was like so fun, and I re- I really wanted to, like I know I said it before, but I could hear you talk for hours because oh. it comes from such a honest and. I say innocent place because you're not saying things just like to say them. They're coming like to help people and to, and I, and I always, I said to Elle when we first got together, I was like the gays and black people, especially black women, I feel like are one in the same because they've both experienced, you know, these adversities and we, we like get each other. You know what I mean? Like it's this unspoken yeah respect and and everything well, i'll say this peter i don't think it's an accident that my co-host on holding court is this incredible comedic intellectual genius named dustin ross who is a mm-hmm. very gay black man and i didn't i wasn't looking for a queer co-host but mm-hmm. i wanted the best dustin's the best and if you listen to an episode of holding court that connectivity that you just described. And I think it's a very special relationship between black women and queer people. And sometimes even queer men, sometimes specifically um, is really worth celebrating more. So I love that. We all know being black isn't monolithic, but you've been representation for so many people who look like us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Hotties until next week. Stay hot.